This week on Big Me Out. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And Jay, I have to say the last week has been quite busy. We've had four people join us at Patreon. Woo! You gotta say... That's awesome. Yeah, say uh, hello to Buzz Hughes, uh, Scoopski... John Pennycock and Adam Rogan. Did you get uh, Buzz Hughes already? Yeah, Buzz Hughes, Buzz Hughes, Scoopski, and John Pennycock sound like could be like a British glam band from <laughs> from like uh, seventy eight, nineteen seventy one. Yeah, they're all they're all former drummers of Spinal Tap. There yeah, <laughs> they're all former drummers of Spinal Tap. Excellent. Welcome, <laughs> all of you to uh to the patreon community make sure to join us at discord where the conversation happens every day about the most ridiculous <laughs> and inane things that you can possibly think of uh you can debate the merits of sugar ray sponge or um sponge. or the saviors of rock and roll star men <laughs> <laughs> so for this round table that we're doing, we we uh, like to do these once a month, like to have a round table with the folks uh, to, to discuss a topic. And this topic is one that we have done more than a few times. It's called Sophomore Slump Revisited. It is where we take a, um, a band that put out a sophomore album in the 90s, and we discuss... What happened? Because usually what happens on those sophomore albums is this, the sales went down. We talked about Veruca Salt's sophomore album, Sponge's sophomore album, Bush. You know, these all had big, you know, sales on their first record and then kind of fell off on the second one. For this one, we had a tie in the original vote and it had to go to a runoff, like a Georgia election. <laughs> and, and the winner... Uh, the loser was Living Colors. Uh, was it Vivid? Times, times up. up or Times Up? Times up. up. Vivid was the day de- is the debut. Right. The the winner of this poll, which I was shocked based on nobody liked it in the comments, but everybody voted for it. Ah, but they voted for it. Exactly. <laughs> Don't let them fool you. They 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 plugged their nose and they they clicked the machine and they they voted for it. Congratulations. I'm sorry. By the Gin Blossoms. This is why in research, you never look for what people say. You always look for what they do. It's right. So to help us discuss this record, we have three gentlemen who have been on the show before. We're welcoming, welcoming them back to, for this episode. Uh, I'm going to go uh, in my windows here. I'm going top to bottom. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Steve Muzinski, with your local HT shirt. Hey, what's up? Speaking of this shirt, shout out to Dewey. He uh, he gave it away in his Facebook comments, I believe, in a raffle, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe like had to be the first to comment. Um, but this shirt says simply "fuck you" on the back. 
And uh, <laughs> recently actually came to light, uh, Local H is doing a podcast right now, and it came to light that um, the band had nothing to do with that. That was like completely out of their control, which is funny because I've been after this shirt since I was a little shithead and I thought it was so cool that they had a shirt that said, fuck you. And it recently came to light that they had nothing to do with that. And uh, but anyway, I got the shirt now. Nice. All right. Second in the uh, in uh, from the center square down, we go to a returning champion. He hasn't been here for a while. We'll welcome him back, uh, Mr. Joe Royland. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks. I think this is my uh, third, actually, uh, sophomore slumper visited episode too. I could be wrong about that. You're probably uh, right. Jake and Chuck. We did the, silver uh, chair together. I remember that. Oh, that's right. Yes. Silver oh, chair. yeah. We did silver chair and then uh, Bush was the other one I did. Razor blade suitcase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Razor blade suitcase. And, oh, and um, no way. Um, space hog as well. Sorry. Oh, space hog. Forgot yeah. about space hog. <laughs> How could I forget about space hog? Uh, and I just saw, <laughs> did you just put up a new sit and spin uh, for the um, I did. album? Jesus. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like my first episode in uh, too long because it was the eighth anniversary of the sh- of uh, me starting the show. So I'm like, ah, I gotta do one just for that. Why not? I'm paying attention. I know what's going on on the internet. <laughs> I got my eyes on every- all of you. I see what yeah. y'all doing. Watch it. <laughs> I probably have a crappy connection, but that's all right. <laughs> well, you're up in Maine, and we understand there's moose everywhere, and they're knocking yeah. over power lines and. Yeah. The, internet, the internet is made out of sticks. and it's like <laughs> frigid here it was like all it was like 60 degrees last week and like not even 15 degrees today it oh, was a wind chill de- that felt like minus 10 so. it was 60 <laughs> degrees four days ago yeah <laughs> it was 60 degrees on friday here in ohio and today there was hail Sorry, today it was it was eighty four and beautiful and awesome. Shut your shut your mouth, Jason. In fact, I'm I'm kind of hot right now. All right, Jay, you're out of the band. You're out of the band. Uh, that's the voice of uh, the one and only Phil Fleming. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you. Now, there is something I have to. Um, I'm surprised that nobody called me on this. That it's not hold on, their hold second on. album. <laughs> it's is not it their sophomore right? album. Well, it is and it isn't. Right. If you if you want to get technical, it's their it's second their album part. of the nineties. Yeah. But also the first album. The first one came out in eighty nine. But the first album also with half of that record was re-recorded for the second album and the EP that came out as their a debut on the major label. Mm-hmm. So I I right. I was like, eh, is this well technically yes, but technically no. Uh, if they had not recorded new, you know, not re-recorded those songs, I probably would have left it alone. But they really re-recorded all the hits right. to uh, to. So I was like, well, that now that yeah. kind of acts as like a demo <laughs> slash like you know whatever you want to call it. So I decided to to grandfather them in as a, <laughs> as a sophomore album, either by decade or by uh, by. Uh, omission of the uh, the songs that were not included. So, is everything so, on this new material? Yes, on this record. Okay. Yes, then it's sophomore. Yes. That's that's to me the the whole point of the sophomore context, right? It's like this is the first album they had to write all new yeah. material for. Yep, and of course, infamously, 
This is their first record without guitarist Doug Hopkins, who was kicked mm-hmm. out of the band just before they broke big, but had finished their major label album, New Miserable Experience. Um, and then he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was responsible for writing a number of the hits on the first record, including, I believe, Hey Jealousy and Found Out About You. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are both his songs, yep. um, which both went on to be very big hits for the band, along with a number of other songs off that first record. And um, mm-hmm. so for people who don't know, he was replaced. Uh, I think it was Scott Johnson is the name of the guitar player who replaced Correct. him. Mm-hmm. Um the band actually started out, uh, Robin Wilson was not the original vocalist. Jesse Ven- Venezuela, Valenzuela was yeah. actually the, the lead vocalist when they started. And then Robin Wilson came into the band after like a he year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, the bass player is Bill Lean. The uh, drummer is, well, they've been through, I guess, it's a couple Philip drummers. On the, on the record, it's Philip Rhodes. Okay. And then, um, yeah, they've had, uh, let's see. And then who is the other guy that I'm thinking? Oh, um, I was thinking Steve Gorman from Black Crows, but that was the <laughs> band that they did after. No, the they've Tim had there's been Giants, a lot so. of, um, <laughs> a lot of bass players through covering for covering for Bill, who was apparently was not in the band for, um, a period of time. Including Miles Zuniga, yeah, who is from Fastball, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Yes. And Big Car, and so uh, Dusted came out in '89, and then the half the songs for that were re-recorded for the um, actual debut, we'll call it, uh, which was uh, New Miserable Experience in '92. But they also put out an, an EP, like I mentioned. Uh, up and crumbling that came out in 1991 for a and um and then after this so then C- congratulations i'm sorry came out in 96 and uh that was followed by a break for a while their next record major lodge victory didn't come out until 2006 so 10 years from the third to the fourth or second to the third or whatever you want to call it there fourth to the fifth um yeah. And then 2010, No Chocolate Cake. And 2018, Mixed Reality. They've had a couple of compilations. Um, and uh, has any, have the guys like Robin Wilson, Wilson done like a solo album or anything like that? He's actually done. Um it uh he had a he had a group called the poppin wheelies they that put out they put out a record yeah um kind of more i'm trying i'm trying to think of this i think it was more in the americana type thing if i'm not mistaken gotcha um, oh he was also in a band called the gas giants gas giants right. yeah yeah that was just basically an offshoot of gin blossoms um mm-hmm more along the same lines of, as Jim Blossoms, too. Yeah, so pretty close. You're saying Poppin' Wheelies, not not Papa Wheelie, like the Metallica side project? Anyone nope. know about Poppin' <laughs> Papa Wheelie? No, not and, uh, <laughs> You know about Papa Wheelie? <laughs> and uh, Jesse Valenzuela did one album, at least, with 
Craig Northy from the odds called Valenzuela Northy. So, um, oh, which is well, we've, we've reviewed the odds. We have indeed. Probably maybe late nineties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Rob Wilson has filled in for the Smithereens uh, lead vocalist position since the um, death of Pat Denizio. Uh, in yeah. 2017, and he runs a recording studio in Tempe, Arizona. This band is from Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. Such bands as uh, the Refreshments, who we've have done on this um, show, they uh, they're from Arizona as well. And there's it's actually yeah, Sidewinders. It's mm-hmm. actually called, called the Mill Avenue Sound, um, which is a, a I guess a sound that all these bands have in common. I which I was not aware of. Um, yeah. So maybe we'll have to get into the Tempe, uh, Arizona sound at some point yeah, in the uh, future uh, episode. Future of, the uh, future Sidewinder Sand Ruby. Yep. Yep. Sand Rubies. These two. Although they may have been from Tucson, but I could be right. Remember them. Oh, the Meat Puppets are from Arizona, but they're Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, oh, and Phil Levitt. Uh, from Seven Horse slash yeah. Dada. Uh, Dada was in the band for a period of time. Yeah, so. yeah but they just, they like filled in on a couple of shows. That's all. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. M- may, somebody must have been out with like a, a broken leg or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because this, you know, we do the sophomore slump uh, as a, uh, a way to compare what they did in terms of uh, chart performance and sales. So just to give you an example of comparing this to new miserable experience, uh, new miserable experience charted number one on the billboard heat seekers chart in 1993. And it made it to number 30 on the billboard 200. It put, uh, so Hey Jealousy went to number four on the mainstream rock track. Um, found out about you went to number five on the mainstream rock track. It went to number one on the modern rock track and also charting were Miss Rita, Mrs. Rita until I fall away and Allison road. Now in comparison, um, this actually made it to number 10 in the 1996, uh, billboard chart. Um, my discography, uh, numbers here, but the sales were not the same even though it charted slightly higher. Uh, New Year's Experience went four times platinum in the U.S. This only went one times mm. platinum. <laughs> so even though it charted higher, that chart position didn't last long in terms of True. any sort of staying power with regards to sales. Um, and that was the uh, last album. Only These are the only two albums that have gone platinum for the band. And I also want to point out that the album cover for No Chocolate Cake... Right is terrible <laughs> like like the on the album. par of on many local bands yeah yeah that that's yeah. very low rent <laughs> it's just it's just it's like somebody got photoshop and the gin blossoms uh uh not i don't even go font and and use that and that's it it's a woman holding a piece of chocolate cake behind her back in a pair of jeans and a purple shirt. Yeah. 
I don't know who's responsible for that, but they should be fired immediately. <laughs> it's right um, up there. With, it's right up there with Sponge. Yeah, with some of the Sponge album covers and um, one of those Shades Apart <laughs> album covers. Because <laughs> we yeah. just talked about that band. Oh, so, so like a lot of money goes into the art department. <laughs> yeah. um, as I mentioned, we didn't get a lot of comments that were pro Gin Blossoms. Um, Mike Ciaravino said, I think both are good records. I give the edge to Jim Blossoms as I think congratulations. I'm sorry is a stronger follow-up to new, miserable, new Miserable Experience than Time's Up is to Vivid. Vastly different bands I never thought I'd be comparing. Um, <laughs> and um, Stephen, you were defending them, which you'll get into your comments as we go through this. Uh, but pretty much everybody else... Well, John Seaman said going with the Jim Blossoms because I think their story is interesting. If I remember correctly, the title Congratulations, I'm Sorry, refers to people congratulating from them for the success of their record, but also saying sorry because their former guitarist, Doug Hopkins, had committed suicide after being kicked out of the group. That's true. Yeah. They they actually got that a lot. Hey, congratulations. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about Doug. So that's how that album title came about. Well, <laughs> all of their album titles have been um, kind of tongue-in-cheek that way. New Miserable Experience was named that way because of that's the experience that they had making the record. Up and Crumbling was sort of the same thing where like, okay, we got signed to a major label, but things aren't really happening the way we're thinking they're happening. So they, they've done like that tongue-in-cheek thing with everything, at least up until this point. The titles after that, maybe not so much. Gotcha. All right, so here's the deal. I submitted, I, I create these polls, you know, with regards to what I'm picking for the um, sophomore slump. I, going into this, genuinely believe that this is a sophomore slump. So your job is to talk me out of it <laughs> or join my side. That's have, why I'm here, Tim. We have five people. <laughs> this is going to either end up three to two or four to one or one against four or something's going to happen here. But we know we're going to come out with a, de a definitive <laughs> untieable situation. You cannot go. You can't go down the middle. You got to pick yes or no sophomore slump. Dun, dun, dun. So here's the question, gentlemen. Um, is this a sophomore slump? And I, I need like hard, cold facts. I need song titles. This song is is why this this is this that whatever. Uh, Steven, you are chomping at the bit. I am defend I am. this record, <laughs> so I'm gonna let you go first. Okay, awesome. <laughs> and I have exactly what you want. Um, you have you have taken shots at this record uh, out the core throughout the course of the podcast. Uh, when oh I no, found it goes back to MySpace. I wrote an article for my MySpace page. <laughs> Ooh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so i think i said it in my comment but the reason i wanted to come on was because i've caught you saying this over the years and and to be honest with you i was late to the game with the blossoms uh growing up i kind of think they had a stigma for me um and i kind of thought it was a little wimpy back then you know as a adolescent teenage boy to be liking the gin blossoms uh but i won't lie that i did like the singles um but it took me a while to finally get around to the albums um, in, in later years of the reason I'm surrounded by all these CDs is because I am a dollar bin dweller. 
I will. That's why this podcast appeals to me so much. <laughs> um, and like literally right here is the proof. Uh, and so the first couple of times that you said that, um, I hadn't heard the record. And so I kind of believed you. And I remember passing it up in dollar bins a few times. And then I finally started really digging into the to the first record, um, you know, the major label debut. And uh, I got really into that. And so then I got curious about the follow up. And so I grabbed it. And when I started listening to it and making my mind up about it, I immediately started remembering all these little shots that you've taken at it over the years. It just comes up here and there. It's like your go to example. (laughs) It's my punching bag. So that's why I'm here. And here we go. We're going to I'm going to highlight the song Virginia. I I took some notes here and I want to start off by just saying that this song rules. The verses of the song are done in sets of two, right? You got the first set where the drummer rotates between closed and open hi-hats and the vocal stays fairly reserved. And then the second half uh, of the verse, you got the hi-hats open all the way through. And then the fourth measure, the vocal finally climbs higher and we get a nice, sweet little guitar lick that just sends us soaring into the chorus. To me, that is top-notch songcraft right there. That is a great example of the pop sensibilities at play all over this album. All the while giving me just enough distortion to still hold my interest. I honestly can't believe that they didn't use it as a single. Uh, I do remember Follow You Down. And to be honest, in my memory, that, that came from the first record. I, I thought all of the major Jim Blossom's uh, singles were piled on that first record, much like Bush or... Um, What's another record that we've not, never mind, or there's a handful of records, Green Day's Dookie, that just have this obscene amount of singles. And I thought that Follow You Down was on the first record. Um, so that makes sense as a single choice to me. I don't think, I don't think you can really deny that song. Um, and I know we'll probably get more into the singles, but I did highlight that, you know, picking As Long As It Matters and No Longer Numb seemed like strange choices to me i think the blossoms do best when they're upbeat and when they're rocking um those are good songs in my opinion in context of the album but i wouldn't imagine hearing that song on the radio and being like yeah i gotta go i gotta go check this album out um that's just me personally i'm sure the band all of their singles are like up up high energy rocking singles so maybe they wanted to display a different side of their songwriting i don't know if they actually had a say in that or not um but uh, let's see. I also noted that um, My Car. My Car, I think, is a fantastic song. I feel like it's the distant cousin to Big Stars sitting in the back of a car, or back of a car, I think it's just titled, yeah. um, which they did actually cover, right, for the Big Small Star World uh, tribute comp. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think, I think, I think that song rules. I think day job, the album opener is such an ass kicker. Um, it's, it's, if you really break it down and you want to take a fine tooth comb to it, it is a little pedestrian. And if I had to guess, Jay might have something to say about that snare drum. Uh, <laughs> but I'm the snare I, drum think guy. It's, I think it's a rocker. Um, and, and, I, and it was a single, which I never did end up hearing on the radio. I, that song was brand new to me by the time I finally found my way to the album. Um, I do have some bones to pick with the sequencing of the record. We can get to that later. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to highlight Virginia and maybe use that as a jumping off point. So I'll, I'll pass the torch there. I can't believe you just tried to compare a Gin Blossom <laughs> song to one of the most iconic big star songs of if all time. If you don't hear the similarities, Tim Minichi, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> wow. Tambourine, vocal harmonies for days, guitar okay. hooks, vocal hooks. <laughs> it's <all Okay>. there. <laughs> um, oh man, I don't even know how to follow that nonsense <laughs> up that I just heard. Um, Joe. Well, they did use, there was a reason they picked John Hampton as a producer. Um, he, Darden Studios, you know, he did both the New Miserable Experience and this album. Although there is a big difference in production sound between the two records. Uh, New Miserable Experience is very front forward and in your face, like Billings bass is just popping on that. And the guitars are, right up front where this album sounds a bit more open and not quite so much for a little bit more laid back. The production's like spread out a little bit thinner to me. That's one of the things that's a weakness about it is compared to the miserable experience. But um, I, you know, I guess I just wanted to try something different, not quite be so in your face, but I think it really, that's part of what drove him is real experiences. Energies. It had more of an energy to it than this one. Uh, it does, I think the album does suffer a little from the lack of Doug Hopkins songwriting. Um, I think Je Jesse Valenzuela wrote like about 40% of the songs on New Miserable Experience. And he, he's the main songwriter on this album. He either wrote or co-wrote eight out of the 13 tracks uh, with uh, Robin Wilson doing like seven of them. Uh, Philip Rhodes did like five co-writes. Bill Lean had three and Scott Johnson had four co-writes. Uh, whereas the first album is predominantly either Doug Hopkins or Jesse Valenzuela and Robin Wilson. So, um, but, and, and yeah, I would say, I mean, I, I look at it now and I look at the track and I'm like out of 13 track, like, and the rest are kind of like, eh, you know, they're good. Like uh, Scott said, they're kind of pedestrian more so than the songs on new miserable experience. And maybe we can chalk that up the dub copies and i can see where that why that was chosen as a single because it's kind of almost like uh okay we're going to try to repeat the success we had with uh till i hear it not till i heard from you um you now i can't remember <laughs> till i fall away off a new miserable experience it's got that same kind of mid-tempo we laid back ballady feel to it the same writers for both songs so they thought well that was a hit first with that record let's try and repeat that with this because the first two singles were both upbeat tracks follow you um, uh, one of the other things I think would have made this album probably sell better is if they'd included Till I Hear It From You from uh, the Empire Records soundtrack. In European countries and, and, and uh, international regions, that was a song on the album, but in the States, it wasn't. And they probably, I don't know why the decision was made to not include it on the US version, but it probably would have helped them sell an extra um, million or so I, copies just by having that on there. I might have an answer. Yeah. Because it was co-written by Marshall Crenshaw. 
Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So they, they apparently they um, Jesse Venezuela and Marshall Crenshaw were hanging out in a hotel room yeah. together, yeah. just like trading licks, and they started working on that song. And Marshall Crenshaw had like gotten the vo- the vocal melody for the for the verse, and they were screwing around, and then they had to go up do whatever they were doing, like play a show or whatever. And um, like two months later, Jesse Venezuela had finished the song, and um, Marshall Crenshaw heard it and he was like, "Well, that's not what I would have done." And they ended up recording it for the Empire Record soundtrack. And when he heard it for this, like the actual song for the soundtrack, he was like, oh, OK, now I get it. Like, I, I see what you're going for. But I, I just think it was because it was that yeah. weird circumstance of having Marshall Crenshaw co-write that that's why it didn't get included. If it had been included on this record, it would be far above the best rec- song on the entire record. I'll just say that. But unfortunately, it's not on this yeah. record. So the, it has to uh, simply stand on its own. On those foreign versions, it was tacked just on the end. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, yeah, I mean, just I'm not on the end. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard to say. I almost, I, it, I hate to say it like this way, but I, probably like the strongest songs on this album are as good as maybe the weakest songs on New Miserable Experience. Some of them are as good as the song "The Big Hits" from New New Miserable Experience, but a lot of this Miserable Experience. Or not, I shouldn't say a lot, a fair amount. Let's just put it that way. So, Phil. Okay. Two people have have tried to... uh, Well, Stephen has given me an unqualified, uh, enthusiastic support of of this record. Uh, Joe has been much more reasonable and, 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 and found positive and negative things to say. Where do you fall on this scale Okay. Well, I agree with a lot of what Joe says. I mean, if if they were able to tack on till I hear from you onto the record, it would have easily sold another half million. Easily. I remember getting getting this like uh, my aunt gave it to me when it, around around uh, like summer '96 or so, and um, I don't know. It just seemed like. They they knew exactly what worked on new Mis- new miserable experience, even the singles that didn't exactly click with with the American public and 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 everything, and said, "All right, well, let's do all of that for the whole thing." We had and and like all of the jangle. Now, all of the jangly pop is all there. Um, The exception being Day Job, which is the only song on the record that has no jangle whatsoever. Which happens to be my favorite song on the record, but anyway, and it was in it only 
it only performs like middling on on modern rock radio and mainstream rock radio. It just sounds like for for me because of the long the long period that it took New Miserable Experience to finally click with mm-hmm. the American public. It had been because New New Miserable Experience had been out for over a year when Hey Jealousy finally broke. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A year. A, a good solid year, maybe a little longer. And yeah, like I before they changed it. <laughs> well, they, well, they they changed the cover. I don't think they changed the content. Yeah. Right. No, but they changed the cover. But I, I have my copy is the copy from '92 where yeah. the original cover. Yeah, and um, I have both. Nice. <laughs> He's a completist. All those CDs you see back there are all Jim Blossom CDs. There you go. They're European B-sides, you know, yeah. European singles. They're Japanese singles, the extended Austrian cut. Gas giant yeah. demos. There you go. <laughs> no, um because because they were because it took like a year and change for Hey Jealousy. Like all of the singles that followed, they were just, they were, they were just trying to ride along and and try and you know make back all of the money they had to spend in tour support and all that stuff. I mean, because I think they finally ended the tour cycle for that record, like in early '95, something yeah. like that. And um, that then they were like, oh, oh shit. I we got to write another record, but we don't have any Doug Hopkins songs, so they took what worked on New Miserable Experience, took out all of the all of the detours that made that were on New Miserable Experience, like cheating, you know, things like that, and made that the made that the record. It was very streamlined, so. To to basically answer answer your question, Tim, it's they did everything right to avoid sophomore slump, but it happened anyway for the very same reason. It was more of the same. Sure, and and the three year gap, mm. even though it was not a three year gap in terms of exposure, but the three year gap in terms of writing, yeah, had to affect them, yeah. Cause they were just out on touring and you're not, you're not into the studio recording and they did put out an EP in, uh, what was it? 94 of like four songs, two originals and two covers, but it was just a radio. Um, uh, like it was just right. for college radio just to keep them material out there. It's somewhere in Steven's background. I have yes. it. I do own it. <laughs> do own it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it's got a I box mean, top was, cover on it. It's pretty cool. Uh, nice. No, but it, I mean, just just something like yeah. that. It it was meant to consolidate the the perceived strengths of the band, which in that in that aspect, it's not a sophomore slump at all. But I mean, note note what the two two biggest songs on Newman's World Experience were. There were Doug Hopkins songs. You don't have Doug Hopkins mm-hmm. songs on this on this record, right? And what you what you have are, you know, a good handful of Doug Doug Hopkins approximation songs. 
because follow you down is definitely definitely in that vein of hey jealousy yep and and um just as a just a quick aside the box tops cover soul deep who is the lead singer of the box tops alex Alex chilton of big star Mm -hmm. just just wrapping it all in there just just (laughs) thread threading it all in um i'm glad you brought up uh the the single for this record follow you down yeah that is what caused me to write an angry screed on my myspace page in around 2008 um because that song along with um i would do anything for love but i won't do that by meatloaf are two of my biggest like aggravation points in that they describe a thing but never actually describe it lyrically <laughs> lyrically <laughs> So like the lyric in, in the Ginger Blossom song is anywhere you go, I'll follow you down. I'll follow you down, but not that far. Okay. Well, how far? What are you talking yeah. about? What does this even mean? Like yeah. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Okay. What is that? What's the thing mm-hmm. you won't do? Never says it. Those, those like hanging chads of, of lyrical content drive me insane. So I wrote it. I wrote an entire like five page article about about on my MySpace page, which now because MySpace dumped all their content, I can't find it anymore. Yep. Oh, I didn't man. archive that on my blog like I should have. Uh, oh, man. Uh, See, you should have used, <laughs> used, <laughs> used Angel Fire. You got my tripod <laughs> fired up. Um, and the test of time. Jay, where do you fall? I don't I, I don't even know if you've ever really given the Jim Blossoms that deep a listen. Have, do you own any of the records or anything? I own this record, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I, they were, I I think I, I can maybe with what Steven's saying, like they would, this is a band I wouldn't turn off, right? You flip on the radio and there'd be like two rock stations and I'd go back and forth between the stations. And like, I hated 75% of the stuff was on the radio. This was one of the bands that was on the radio all the time that like, I would usually stay on it and listen to it. And I found myself with the first or new miserable, miserable experience for this purpose. We'll say the first record. Um, I was kind of intrigued, like, huh, there's some guitars here and like some clever songwriting and like some good hooks. This record, I think I liked even more, which is probably why I bought this one at the time, because I think I was attracted to like day job and the heavier riffs that are on this record, or at least what had come through. Mm. Um, so yeah, I had some history. I mean, it wasn't like, I wouldn't know that I would call myself a fan, but it was like I said, like casually, like, yeah, this is pretty well crafted. And I, you know, respected it in hindsight, like, or I guess with time, my perception of the band became like, oh, well, they were really soft. Like the, all the stuff is like, you know, mid-tempo, jangly, like meaningless. So in revisiting it, I think I definitely reconnected with what I originally liked about it and found it still to hold up in that way. Um, I think it is well-crafted. You know, I hear a lot of clever songwriting, um, a lot of clever vocal melodies, a lot of really cool guitar licks, like to the point where they're, you know, super memorable and um, really help the, the vocal hook as well. Um so I, I hear quite a bit on here that I think for a pop rock record, at times I would call this even power pop, 
um, I think is pretty successful. That, and that was the part that I think at the time I didn't really understand that now listening to it, I, I can kind of comprehend. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I think where it, where I look at sophomore albums when they fail, it's like a band that doesn't know who they are yet. And, you know, the second record is they're forced to write material and it's kind of all over the place in a mess or they, for whatever reason, hate their first record and whatever success it has and they try to do something different <laughs> and it's a mess or, <laughs> uh, you know, they move beyond, like they try to experiment and in it, you know, now they're sense. listening. Now, now they know. Now they're going to know what we really like. Right, right, right. Yeah. They were much deeper than that. <laughs> yeah. We had, you know, and they do that. I don't hear them doing that, and I think no. it's going to build on what you said, Phil. Like, no. I think it's actually a good thing that they were smart enough to say, like, this is our sound. This is what the Jim mm-hmm. Blossoms sound like now, and we're going to just live with that and be okay with it and write more material that sounds like that. And I, res- I respect the hell out of that. If you can do it, and and it doesn't feel you know, contrived and the songs are still good. Like, are they as good as the songs on the first record? No, but they're damn close. And it's you can just stop right there. No, but and we can just end the podcast. But they're uh, super well written. They're super hooky. Yeah. And um, they sound like the Jim Blossoms, which, you know, I, I think what I ended up realizing in, in hindsight, I kept thinking of this band as being kind of generic. But as I re-listened to the record, I was like, they actually have a very identifiable sound. Like the, his vocal is very identifiable. The guitars are very, the, even the way the drums are mixed and they're at least on these two records is very identifiable. Um, that snare drum sound, like it's very yeah. upfront. It's very vocal and drum, you know, focused. So, and then how the guitars are used, you know, um, to create hooks, I think is also identifiable. So I walked away from, you know, listening to this now, not thinking this is there are some generic songs on here there's some material that's not as strong but the majority of the record i think is very um identifiable as jim blossoms as a unique sound that they had and represents you know what they do so in that regard i don't see that as a slump i think that i see that as a affirmation of this is the band that we are and the cup of music we make well well everything the till I hear from you single was was pretty well timed in that respect too, but yeah. I think what also contributed to the relative failure. I mean, it still did sell a million copies. Um, what probably contributed to it was fatigue in a bet for a bet. I mean, because it because yeah. till I hear from you would became a became like it just missed the top ten. Um, and it would, and it was just a very Jim Blossom song, and 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 uh, then that then they finally get the get a record out where where till I hear from you is finally you know falling down the charts because that was when that was largely when you know Jim Blossom crossed over to you know adult pop formats, and you know what happens when your favorite yeah. rock band when your mom likes your favorite rock band, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And, and in that respect, that's, I mean, cause you can still hear Hey Jealousy on the radio today. 
you know, nearly 30 years after it was released. Um, but it, I think that, yeah, part of it was lo- probably fatigue. Um, yeah. Because it, they, they had been subjected to like five or six new miserable experience singles. And then they, and then they have the Empire Records thing. And and now they're now they're ready and and that's I forget if I forget if day job went nope follow you down went first but day job came right on the heels of that because they second. wanted something in rock yeah. radio as opposed to pop radio yeah I think and, it was second um, right yeah it was mm-hmm. yeah um and. Now you see that Jay, the way you were describing it, it you're absolutely correct, but that's also why I didn't like it very much. Can we talk and, more about the songs? Let's get let's get into some of the songs that that okay. don't work, Tim. What what doesn't work for you? Here's like, so here's my issue is that I've heard the the jangle pop brought up as a descriptor. I don't think there's any real jangle pop on this record. What? I what think that this is, oh, this on, is basically it's it's a it's a it's a rock band. It's just a rock band to me. And maybe if I maybe I'm wrong, but when I think of like Jingle Pop, I'm thinking of like until I fall away, um, till I hear about you, like clean leads with a little bit of like chorus and some something causing a little bit of a like a, a some movement in the in the guitar tone that's not just distortion. Like there is almost uh, to uh, to my ears, there's nothing that sounds anything other than just alternative rock on on this record. It's very clean and straightforward. I, Give me an example I, of what you think I, is no. a jingle pop song on this. Competition record. smile. Yeah. Now I'm Yeah, there, there. Yeah, there may be, there may be um, like one guitar with a pedal pushed through it, but the rest of it is very, very jangly. Well, with, I the, ex- even... with the exception of day job and and maybe my car, I, I mean, yeah, whitewash. Yeah. I'd even say that. Um... It may even suffer. Maybe this is what you're hearing, Tim. It may even suffer from too many layers, like too much jangle. Yeah. Like most of these tracks have multiple. I mean, you're talking three, four, or more guitars, organ. 
I hear yeah. things come in and they do this thing where they like, they'll pull a guitar out and they'll bring like harmonica in or bring organ in or bring um, mandolin in. So there's constantly like at least three to four guitars going on. And some are distorted, some are clean, some are acoustic. Sometimes there's two different electric parts and then they'll bring in these other instruments and pull guitars out. So I kind of found myself right. almost being overwhelmed by the like layers on and especially in the way it's mixed, it's a little, well, it's not a little, it's kind of, it's muddy. Like I think even day job listening to, it, I was like, holy shit, this is as muddy as a Oasis song. Like there's just this wall of distortion because there's so that's many. That's what I liked about guitars. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's I, what I'm, but that's what I I'm saying. That. Like, I don't I hear, that, but where, I need some punch. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I think that that wall <laughs> is what eats away at, the melody that there's uh, there are almost no hooks on this record in comparison in comparison to the first record Mm. there are there are six seven songs that have huge hooks on the first record and there is like one memorable chorus on this album for me wow all right well to each their own i listened i listened to the records back to back yesterday um and and I just don't, yeah, I don't. I is don't. there, is little like what song on this record would you say has as strong a chorus melody as Found Out About You or Until I Fall Away? I mean, those are like, those are once in a lifetime choruses for some bands. Some bands never write a chorus as good and they have multiple choruses on that record. And I just don't hear it on this record. A lot of this sounds like, like Jay said, it sounds muddy, but also it just sounds like they, some of these songs are like, I don't know if it's too fast, but they clearly wanted to be, they wanted to up the tempo on some of these songs, like well, on Day Job and, and some of the stuff. And it feels like they are speeding through some of the material in order to, to present themselves as like with a little bit more oomph. And I well, loses some of that. Like, I, I will agree with you there, Tim. Um, I honestly think that, yeah, that, yeah, the tempos are a little, a little more more upbeat um but i mean keep in mind they had been on the road for two years and you know they wanted to yeah. play something that they wanted to write something that they that would translate quicker to a live setting so sure well i mean and i don't think it's completely on doug hopkins not being there i mean doug no. hopkins wrote hey jealousy doug no. hopkins wrote but found it, out but about he, you but he but, wrote those hooks but on, robin wilson songs. and and jesse venezuela's wrote until i fall away and yeah. robin wilson wrote allison road and you know th- those are the the whole band was contributing to the first record yes and and but it, there are there to me there's just a such a clear delineation in like this sound this almost sounds like the record before new miserable experience like it doesn't sound as confident in finding where the hooks are in the songs whereas on the on new miserable experience it's like they know where the pocket is on these songs and they nail them almost every time and i just i just do i don't like you mentioned virginia what's the hook for virginia it has it's a really cool musical song but like i don't remember the melody for the chorus how many times have you listened to it? A, a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But then, it, I, it, uh, you know, those I, songs have the have the <laughs> have the advantage of being played on the radio for thirty years too, yeah. or, yeah. or twenty five right. years from the, from the first record. Yeah, yeah. I you know. I mean, I, I think to me, the chorus of Virginia is pretty 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 memorable. I, I think there's the even that, like are, I said, there's that guitar hook right going right into the chorus. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I you even, want, Tim. <laughs> I even got to the point where I was starting to like be able to like. I, I thought it was so hooky that I was breaking down. Like, okay, why is this hooky? And I started to realize like he he's really clever with how he uses ascending and descending lines. Like it'll be this a yep. very similar melody, but yeah. he's, he knows how to take it and it's like move it up at the end or move it down. Like even follow you down. Like it, I thought that was clever as hell when I really analyzed that and I was like. Oh, at the end, when he goes to follow you down, he actually goes down. It's like, oh, that's kind of clever. Like, it all locks together. It makes sense to me. Like, yeah. there was a lot of, I thought there was a lot of movement vocally with with the hooks. Good song craft. Like I said, I don't know. I think it's there. I, I, well, I mean, I don't know. It 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 just feels like a lot of it, a lot of it is a pretty even keel. Like the, there's, there's no, there's no peaks. There's no valleys. It's all pretty. Yeah, even. yeah, yeah. Um, I would agree with that. And and that that was, I mean, it does sound a little rushed. The whole thing sounds like it was, like, oh crap, we got to get this in for first quarter. I think the mix sounds, if I were to say rush, I think definitely think the mix sounds rush. Like when I listen to this, I like, I hear all the elements of the posies frosting on the beater, but like that is mixed so much better. Yeah. I I will disagree on that, but it has, it has like gritty guitars and it's punchy. And like all of this is smashed together. Like it doesn't, none of that breathes like you don't get any of that snarl or any of that character or dynamic and it just sounds overall flat i think it's kind of partially like what phil was saying too with like the fatigue you know and not having really the time to go into this album whereas with new miserably experienced they don't even play in those songs for years and they, they went in to re-record them they knew exactly what more they needed to be like you said in the pocket with those tunes so, but they didn't really have that with this album. Like, uh, I don't know if they road tested any of these tunes because I, uh, I don't remember hearing anything when I, I mean, in that interim period. Like, I saw them twice on New Miserable Experience Story. I saw them about three months out after the album came out at like a, uh, it was a promo, promo thing for radio and record stores and stuff and, and, re, and, um, press. And I got to go to that and, um, they were pretty tight then, but I don't remember hearing any go see him play and like, oh, here's a new song that's going to be on our upcoming album, you know. So it, it's probably like we just had these songs, we got to get it in the studio, we got to record them, and like you said, and so they didn't really have that same privilege of doing what they did with the first album or the second album. But, so know. I I'm getting the sense that I am not bringing people to my side. With this discussion, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, it, it it's not a it's not a a bad record. I mean, no, not by any means. Like, um, if you put this on, I'm going to listen to it all the way through. Well, you see, I might not, but I'm not going to say, "Oh my god, this is 
horrible shot that they are. Um, it, I mean, it, I, I had said in, in the Discord, um, like, it, I didn't, I don't hate the band. It's just they, there's, their style of songwriting was never my, my bag. Um, and, and especially, especially at that time, like, I thought, I thought Day Job was, was great in the same way that on Counting Crows' second record, they had Angels of the Silences, which is an anomaly in their catalog in the, in the yeah. way that it's a charging rocker. Cause it, cause they, they right. more often than not, they had, they have lots, lots of, lots of lilting melodies and things like that. But I mean, but it, yeah. that's what really got me into that, into the track day job because it was, it, it was, a departure for that but it's the only one <laughs> um, I, I have a question are we rating this record the way you guys normally do or no because it's a sophomore slump episode when we do sophomore slump we re redeem it or toss it back uh, into the dustbin of slumps so can i ask you then if you, if you were just rating this on the dig me out scale what would you give this oh if i was rating this on the dig me out scale yeah <sighs> I would I'd be hard pressed to get past a single. Really? What? Wow. <laughs> you don't even hear any <laughs> here. Yeah, there's there's really nothing that uh, there's I don't think there's a single song that's better than any song on Numerable Experience. Like I don't Cajun have a, is better than Cajun song, I promise you. Well, but and like cheating. the the, the <laughs> riff to day job is just it's just a rehashed blues riff from that. Like that's not, you're, you're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that. No. Yeah. Um, you know, my car, <coughs> excuse me, my car is fine. I, I appreciate that the poppiness in the, of that song. Um, well, the, it, it's funny. I was, I was re-listening to it before coming on and, um, and uh, I, I, my car came on, and I'm like, "Wait a minute! This is the same drum track as Day Job. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the drum fills and and the tempos the yeah, same. I think that's what I'm it like, feels. Wait a minute! What? <laughs> like a song like Whitewash to me sounds like a, an attempt musically to just rewrite Hey Jealousy. Like it's essentially the same tempo. It's the same drum fills. It's got the you know the same vibe of that song but with nothing lyrically to say in comparison to hey jealousy which has a very i think the thing that i i i, I didn't I, there was nothing lyrically that i really grabbed onto in the same way you know hey jealousy has a a lot of um really little catchy lyrical um oh yeah you know things going on in that song yeah i think uh the the use of melancholy in the vocal choruses for until I fall away and found out about you. They're like, they're actually very haunting melodies. Um, and none of that exists in, it doesn't exist in the same way on this record. Um, those songs just sound a little more like they do sound more worked on. So may, maybe that's the problem is that, those 
if you think of like the circular nature of that until I fall away vocal where like it repeats and it gets doubled and there's harmonies going on there that are really interesting. I think there's, I don't feel like there's as much harmonies going on in this record with regards to the vocal. It's like very Robin centric in the vocals on this record. Yeah. And I think I missed that too. Cause I made it, I made a comparison and, and I just, people took umbrage with it. Uh, there were some songs that reminded me on numerous experience in terms of the vocals of what like Gary Loris and um, what Gary Loris does with the Jayhawks where, you know, Mark Olson has a very nasally vocal. So his songs are very distinct in the Jayhawks, but when they sing harmony and they get these really cool harmonies going on, like they don't sound like anybody else. And there are times where there are vocal harmonies going on, like in Found Out About You, there's like a low and a high going on in that song. Um, and I don't know, maybe that's Robin Williams just doubling himself, but I didn't feel like I got that's as Jesse. much of that. Is it Jesse singing with him? Okay. Yeah, it just seemed like they did it. They, they put more thought. And I know like vocal harmonies yeah, is something like, like, that's a band's working on it for a long time to figure out harmonies. It's not like your first instinct, like we're going to go figure out harmonies when you're writing a song. You, that's something that you are layering on as you're, as you're working on the song. Um, unless you are a, like a vocal group, uh, in the way that like the Jayhawks are. Um, so I, I, I took some grief comparing them to the Jayhawks in that way, but I think it stands like some of the melodies really stand up for me in terms of just having a little more depth. Whereas, I mean, there are fine melodies, but they just don't stick with me the way. And maybe it's because they're sped through a little bit faster on the first, on the, on the second record or the third record, whatever the hell it is. Um, so I think that's what's just, just doesn't have work a, for me. You have a lot more, I guess I'm not bringing it as much. I didn't revisit the first record. I haven't listened to it in a while. So you're bringing a lot I, more I haven't context. listened to it. But you're I mean, bringing I, a lot more like, like it's that that and the um, the other song set a bar, right? That you're putting this record against, which I I don't I guess I'm not doing. And well, is they, that I, fair? Is that I fair kinda, for a sophomore record? I I kind of set that bar. I will admit that. Um, mostly mostly because when I did hear New Miserable Experience, I thought you know the best songs were ended up being the singles. Um, I didn't really care much for Alliston Road myself, but Until I Fall Away was decent. Um, and it, you know, the two big hits, but it, I mean, I, like I said, I just, the, the whole entire thing of Congratulations, I'm Sorry, is them trying to streamline what worked for New Miserable Experience and just maintaining that fan base. I mean, I, I think they realistically knew they weren't going to sell 4 million of, of this record just on fatigue alone. But I mean, it, I don't know. It, yeah. it, it just, it's, it, it has all of the qualities of, of that sophomore slump. It's like, you, you have follow you down, which is, you know, the B grade hey jealousy. There's you know, <laughs> not only numb, the B grade, you know, this song. And, you know, as long as it matters, you know, the B grade until I fall away. 
and it really just needed Doug Hopkins. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I would be interested to hear, like, I don't know who's playing what guitar wise. I assume what I hearing is certain things is Doug Hopkins, like with regards to, Hey, jealousy, um, that sort of, it has a little bit more texture. That song, the the guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I assume that that's Doug Hopkins. Um, so maybe it was a little, maybe he was just a little meatier with his playing than, um, like, like Jay said, like there's a lot of volume and, and spread and layers, but I don't necessarily hear like as much grit in the same way. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, there's no, there's no real grit in almost anything on, on this record. The tones are very thin. Yeah. I I think it's on the tape. I, I just think it's, I, I being cynical that when I listened to this, this sounded like they were trying to mix it for rock radio, like for radio hits, like oh, yeah. get the vocal oh, yeah. as loud as possible, make sure the drums are pronounced. And I think the person mixing the record was like, well, shit, there's 3000 tracks of guitars on here. What the hell do I do with all of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well, I guess I got to film in here somewhere. So it's like vocal drums. And then this just wash of other guitars that, yeah, it doesn't have that pronounced like punchy live band sound because I think there's just too many tracks and just not enough focus on how to mix them. When we get to the, um, if we ever do the Candlebox sophomore slump, my oh. most of my complaints will be the same. Oh, with, God, yes. with that record. Oh, I I will be yeah. here for that that one. Holy, <laughs> mm. which I think I think um, Kevin Martin will join us in bashing that record as well, yeah. based on his yeah. previous. Oh, that would be that would interview. be cool. <laughs> yeah, so he's pretty much said there's one good song on that record. Uh, so and I agree. Uh, let's let's talk about if this slump is uh, being pulled from the dollar bins and placed in the uh, pantheon of 1899 uh, CDs that are worth picking up. Uh, I'm going to go around. I'm going to start with, with the man with the wall of gin blossoms and related uh, bands, Mr. Steve Buzinski. Where do you land? Is this a, are we salvaging this sophomore slump? Yeah, you know it, Tim. We're salvaging it. Uh, when I listen to this record, I've got it trimmed down to a tight 10. It's 37 minutes. Uh, in this order, I do Day Job, High Wire, Follow You Down, Virginia, As Long As It Matters, Whitewash, My Car, Perfectly Still, Not Only Numb, I Can't Figure You Out. Um, that hacks off that silly little uh, seventh inning stretch interlude and a couple, most of the songs on the back end of the record. Um, you guys said Competition Smile. I've, I've been listening to the record this way so long. I was like, what the hell's competition smile? And I'm like, Oh yeah, that's one of yeah. the songs that I cut, but I do for the record, spin the CD in my office now and again when I'm working and uh, I get through it just fine. Um, I think that there really is something to the mill Avenue sound. I, I think that that is a real thing. And to me, for me, that just works. I guess it's kind of like the gin blossoms to me are an ode to big star. I know you hate hearing that Tim, but I think it's true, but they just kind of, fry it in the desert or something and like the way that it comes out works for me i like the refreshments i like the sidewinders that sound there's something about that sound that works and if i'm not mistaken <laughs> i think the term bar band came up multiple times when you guys reviewed those bands 
Um, and you know, be it as it may, that's just a sound that works for me. Uh, when I, when I listen to rock records and for me, you know, this, I agree with what you guys are saying, Tim and Phil, I think that you can take these songs and stack them up to the best songs on, uh, you know, there's a counterpart for everything from new miserable to this record. And I just wouldn't give it an A versus a B. I think I would give it an A plus versus like an A minus. Like, I don't think it's fair to, to, to cut it down that badly. That's just me. Okay. This is all subjective, right? Sure, uh, of course. It was, it was fun to go at you, but I respect your opinion and, and you, you, you have a valid, you have some valid stances. Well, thank you. On, on what you have to say. <laughs> uh, Mr. Royland. Uh, are we salvaging this sophomore effort by the gin blossoms? Oh, it's kind of funny. On a personal level, I, I'm going to say yes, because like I said, the majority of the songs I like, even if they aren't as good as the songs on numerous rebel stirrings, I still like them. And it's, it's weird too, because like commercial failure. Okay. Yeah. It didn't sell as many, but it's still charted 10 places or 20 places higher than New miserable experience still had their biggest hit single with follow you down it was a top so it's ironic in that measure but um on a personal level i i, I would salvage it i i would be unlike scott though i wouldn't give it an a minus i would give it a b as compared to an a okay i'm steve you keep calling me scott <laughs> scott why am i calling you scott steve why local, scott uh, lucas scott lucas local age you got him you got him yeah. confused with the t-shirt scott lucas i have scott lucas that's why i wear a dig me out t-shirt so nobody gets confused yeah. there we go they know I who i am it. shut I up i love Jay. it <laughs> Phil, that's why I'm wearing nothing on my shirt. <laughs> are we are we salvaging this or are we not? All right, so I would I would not I would not put it up with the you know the pay full price whatever a pay full price rack if it if it was in that in that you know uh, what do they call it those those budget CD bands. You know, five ninety nine, the four ninety nine. I'll leave it. I'll even go as high as five ninety nine. Would you go to six ninety nine? <laughs> Can I talk you up to six ninety nine? If this it was, was part of a three for twenty dollar deal or something. <laughs> okay. No, um, well, you say that. Uh, I mean, I I never actively hated the gin blossoms. I said that before, but I never actively sought them out either. Right. Um. If they came on the radio, I wouldn't I wouldn't be, you know, it's like an Adam Sandler movie. It's like, I don't hate it, but I don't really want to watch it either. But it's on. So I'll watch it. Don't get me started on Adam Sandler. Okay, I won't. Um, It's how you feel about this record, Tim. (laughs) 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 But um, on a dig me out scale, I would I would say that this would be a good you know, five song EP, five, six song EP. What's that EP? Oh, all right. Well, let me look at the track listing. Um, yeah. Day job, <laughs> high wire, follow you down. As long as it matters, Virginia can't figure it out. That's a good six songs. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but, it, but like new miserable experience for me, it, it was, it was decent playing it was decent while it was playing and you know nothing really just said oh this is awful but i don't it's hard to remember after it finishes all right so so would you is this is it a are we 
resuscitating this with the jaws of uh with a with the defibrillator or are we letting it die I'll, you have I'll to you can't go I'll in between resuscitate it for the budget bin okay all right so jay you're the last one uh, i just want to point out that jay has veto power and he can trump uh everyone with his vote jay well i guess i'm coming from it if it if it's a sophomore slump, it's it should be a solid single only record for me. If it's truly a sophomore yeah. slump, like it's it's just a stinker. Like right, yeah. <laughs> like whoa, yeah. what were these guys doing? Or like obviously way too many drugs or something. You know, there's it's just bad. Especially if you've seen like what this band can be or what you know this like the second be. MGMT record. Ooh, I don't, know, ooh. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm going to go with the Candlebox example you gave me. Yeah, okay. that was a <laughs> no, good one. that's a valid comparison for both. <laughs> yeah. So wow. this is definitely, uh, I would say, like a '70s album length to me. So I could get to probably nine tracks easy. Yeah. Day job, high wire, follow you down. Not only numb, perfectly still. My car, Virginia, whitewash, and I would end with competition smile. So I think there's some, you know, it, mine's pretty much just the same as, as uh, Jay's. Yeah, there's you know some mid-tempo stuff in there, like you know little diversions that aren't as successful. But I think the ones I listed are, I think they're super memorable. Like, and this is the record I own. This is the one I know the best. I don't know the first record that well, so um, to me, this well, is you're going to be blown away when you hear that record. Apparently, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like Abbey Road. <laughs> exactly listen you guys talk um you've so been yeah. listening to the load you gotta hear the, the black album because that's uh you gotta hear reload <laughs> you gotta hear re- exactly that's was that was the joke you've been listening to reload you gotta listen to load that was the joke that, yeah. sorry i messed that up you want to redo that you can edit it yeah anyway. let's go let's rewind the tape <laughs> on that joke post-production <laughs> oh man uh this is why i don't write for dave Chappelle anymore that's why anymore anymore uh <laughs> so i guess i stand alone the cheese stands alone on this one uh i do not there are some there are some i, I was being facetious i mean i could probably make an ep out of this record but up oh, we convinced him but it's I don't, almost i, I did, really Steven. don't think that this stands up to the to Steve. the first record um overall so it's four against one that's fine uh, you know, I've had tougher odds in uh, tougher fights, and that's uh, <laughs> that's what Jack Reacher told me. Uh, so, but this is a good discussion. I'm glad we finally got to talk about the Gin Blossoms on this podcast because yeah. I feel like they do get overlooked, and they did have a massive, huge, uh, you know, record with with New Miserable Experience, and and they did have a huge single with um follow you down so i mean this is they're an important band when we're talking about the 90s so i'm glad we finally got to talk about them pretty unique Uh, with that song from the soundtrack too being as big of a single as it was exactly uh, and not ending up on the record like i wonder if that was purely contractual that does anyone know by the way don't know i don't know the official reason i just know that it was an outside songwriter marshall crenshaw may not have liked what happened to it but I'm sure he loved those royalty checks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, not including it probably contributed to to its its relative failure. 
Well, and think um, about the the Goo Goo Dolls. The Goo Goo Dolls scored a massive hit with Iris. That was a soundtrack song. And they stuck song. it right on the record. And they went, mm-hmm. this is going on the next record. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. it not yeah. only is it going on the next yeah. record, there's going to be four songs like it. Exactly. <laughs> we just, just figured something out. recently, too. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be using this formula for the next four records. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Well, one uh, thing I didn't mention, too, that's worth mentioning is that they broke up within a year of this album coming. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, coming yeah, out. So that also played into how still touring it like they were in a miserable experience. Is, that, yeah. is anyone um, familiar with the 2006 Major Lodge retro- record? Um, no. I haven't, but it's been a while since I've listened to it. G- no. Given the way that Tim would always <laughs> lambaste this record... I was ex- so I think that record is pretty bad. Like the way you feel yeah. about "Congratulations, I'm Sorry," I feel could be applied, like could and should be applied to Major Lodge Victory. If if Major Lodge, if "Congratulations, I'm Sorry" sounded anything like that record, I feel like I would be 100 yeah. percent on Team Tim with this one. Uh, yeah, it gets pretty bad, and that that we were making fun of the album cover. That chocolate cake record is yeah. I've tried at least two or three times to get into it that will not be making the wall let it be known (laughs) 90s material only i'm glad you have certain standards that are well well the wall requires so yeah so is anyone anyone really followed any one of us really followed them into the 21st century i mean because the the bits that i've heard is like more of the same so like they're they're going to play to their to their jingle pop crowd. No, I think they're one of those well, bands now. now that, have you know small children, right? <laughs> I, I think they're one of the bands that does those tours where the bands yeah. just get up and play like seven yeah. songs and they do their hits. The yeah. Summerland style tour, yeah, yeah, yeah. which yeah, is 100%. totally fine if you want to make a living. But like, it's pretty clear that those bands know that their best material is behind them. Yes, yes. So yeah, sure. Do it that yeah, way. I, I think Jim Blossoms is definitely one of those bands that, right. that knows that. If, I, if I, anything happens now, it'll likely be by accident and only last a month. I do like that this <laughs> yeah. this season, the, the the 11th season of the podcast, has been split between like bands like Better Than Ezra and Jim Blossoms. And then the other side of the spectrum... The Garo Gage, Gay Gay Gay, and... And royal trucks, and uh, <laughs> and yeah, so we've definitely hit on two different, very different sides of uh, of nineties uh, this year, which is um, just to, just wait until you hear my pick. Oh, I can't wait! It'll, it'll probably be no Thornetta uh, Davis. No Thornetta Davis. Hey, <laughs> that was a fun record. It, I know. <laughs> um. I got to thank you guys because it's getting late here on the, the Eastern coast. Uh, I'm sure it's almost morning where you are, yeah. uh, uh, Joe, because uh, you're on the, cur- the curvature of the earth is, is uh, much closer to. <laughs> He's, near, <laughs> He's actually near Greenland. Well, the, I'm only an hour ahead of you. So. Um, so, but with daylight savings up and thankfully I'm not working tomorrow, so I don't have to get up at 3am. Oh, nice. <laughs> Um, Steven, Joe, Phil, thank you all three of you for, for coming back on the show and, and talking some gin blossoms with us. Greatly appreciate you giving up some of your Monday evening 
to do so. Um, and of course, if you if you enjoyed these uh, gentlemen's visit, you can go to our Dig Me Out page and check out their guest pages and see all the previous episodes that they have joined us for, uh, talking about various <laughs> roundtables, albums, all sorts of things that we've done uh, in the past, which uh, you can find uh, you know at digmeoutpodcast.com. Also, you can go there to suggest an album for future episodes by dropping a suggestion into the uh, suggestion hopper. Just put the band name, the album title, and why you're suggesting it. And then that's where you can go to sign up to the, the newsletter as well, the box newsletter, which gets delivered every week into your email inbox. It's got a calendar of all the new releases relevant to 80s and 90s music. That's not just music, but movies and books and a couple of reviews of new releases uh, that have come out in the past week or so, uh, one minute reviews, audio and text for those who don't like the sound of my voice. Although if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you're kind of screwed. Um, <laughs> uh, Patreon is where you go to support the podcast and Apple podcast is where you go to leave some positive feedback. Gents have a good evening. Discord. Are you going to plug the discord? I just want to shout out that what you guys have done with that discord channel is super awesome and i love feeling like i have a place to go be nerdy with some folks oh yes (laughs) oh yes yeah you have to you have to be on the patreon right yes Yes. it's a part of our our patreon is it's it starts right at the lowest tier uh anybody who joins at any level joins our patreon page they also get our access to our discord channel where we discuss uh movies uh music uh, new releases, reissues, and sponge, uh, sponge <laughs> in depth, really in obscure depth. music videos. Thanks to you, Tim. <laughs> oh yes. yeah, I love digging through the obscure music videos and, and oh, posting my stuff. God. Uh, and it's not just restricted to uh, '90s alternative rock. We we run the gamut, talking about uh, '70s prog and uh, and uh, '2000s and whatever. There's there's no limitations on that and you can also post pictures of your dog and we will greatly appreciate uh any doggos that yeah so i just yes. wanted to plug that i wanted to say if you're a patron and you're listening and you haven't joined yet you should get on there joe are yeah. you on there joe i'm not and i need to be because yeah, get in there joe. i don't know why i'm not <laughs> so you're you're missing out <laughs> don't, on my don't peer pressure poor joe here <laughs> don't no peer pressure we don't we don't yeah. we don't subscribe to that we I'm all just a joe royland fan so i'm sorry i just <laughs> like you know, yeah steve joe was royland. actually steve was like joe's gonna be here like he, he was guy he got pumped yeah <laughs> and i apologize Stephen, for constantly calling you scott it's totally fine. It's uh, but fine. I had been it was because of the local H t-shirt. I would, yeah, I would do the same thing. It was, it, was it was subliminal. It was. <laughs> I, I know it's like Scott Lucas. Scott Lucas. Yeah. All right. We're going to wrap up here. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Can I find